peace was going on welcome to episode 36 of no truce bar the best up-and-coming podcast on the internet and i'm your host hoikawaku timmons if you are not following me on social media whether it be facebook instagram or twitter you are missing out on a lot of great information you're missing out on some really innovative ideas and also my followers, I really try to supply you guys with reading material so that way you can go and look at the same information that I look at and you can then go ahead and make your own determination of exactly if what I was saying was accurate or if you have a dissenting opinion. But once again, make sure you're following me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Hoyt, H-O-Y-T underscore Kawaku, K-W-A-K-U underscore Timmons. That's T-I-M-M-O-N-S. And also, if you have missed any of the previous 35 episodes, you can find episodes 1 through 35 on SoundCloud and Spotify. And also with episode 34, that episode was a little bit different. So with that particular episode... I actually had to, uh, actually did that particular episode on my Instagram. So if you want to see episode 34 in which I had, uh, the powerful intellectual CEO, excuse me, better yet, intellectual entrepreneur, uh, scholar, professor, uh, on that episode by the name of Lawana Lawson, definitely check that episode out and definitely follow her. She's doing like some really, really big things. And once again, I want to thank everybody who has been with me thus far, everybody who has supported, anybody who shared a piece of content, anybody who has uh, provided any form of constructive criticism. I greatly and I deeply appreciate it. I thank you to the core and the bottom of my heart. But without further ado, I want to go ahead and get into episode 36. Episode 36, I I wanted to title this episode, Keep the Fire Going. So we've seen countless, uh, countless, excuse me, um, accounts of police brutality and the murder of black people at the hands of police. We've seen this going back legitimately really over the past century, the past hundred years, Uh, But like, for example, most recently, if we want to go all the way back to 1999, uh, Amadou Diallo in the Bronx, who was shot at 41 times, and I believe 15 bullets hit him and killed him. The officers who did it were let off. Uh, If we're looking at as recently as Trayvon Martin, although it technically was not law enforcement, but he was murdered in cold blood by George Zimmerman, who was following him. And who accosted him and he defended himself. And unfortunately, uh, it costed it costed uh, Trayvon Martin his life. We can look at uh, Philando Castile, excuse me, uh, who was just trying to present his documents, his permits to show that he, in fact, was a legal gun owner and he was killed in his own vehicle. We can look at Michael Brown, Sandra Bland. We look at the, the, the three names that come up commonly now because they're so recent is Ahmaud Arbery, although his murder actually happened back in February, but we just saw the footage a few weeks ago. If we're looking at Breonna Taylor or George Floyd, 
So there's a common theme here. There's a quotidian thing that begins to happen every time we see one of these particular incidents. We get ignited. We get we get inspired. We're ready to change. We want to throw a a, a, a a wrench in the in this unjust system. So what we begin to do? We 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 gather. We protest. We assemble. We loot. We 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 express our angst. They said that we loot, and I and I and, and, and I apologize because I should not have used that word. We're expressing our anger, our discontent, and we do this time after time. We have the vigils. We have Reverend Al Sharpton come and speak at the funeral, do the eulogy. And no disrespect to Al Sharpton, I, I definitely respect that brother. I consider him an elder. And dare I not take any way, anything away from him and what he's given to the black community, whether I disagree with some of the things that he says, that's neither here nor there. But we have to start to begin to respect the people before us and respect the people that have spent blood out here and, and put their life on the line for our issues, whether we want to be uh, conscientious of it or not. But yeah, we'll have Al Sharp to come in. And hell, a few years ago, we had a follow-up to the Million Man March, which was titled Justice or Else. What an ultimatum. Here's my concern. And this is what happens every single time we have one of these incidents. We begin to congregate in these large groups. We march down the main streets in our cities throughout the country. We spray paint, we tag things. In this instance, with these protests and marches, we begin the toppling of statues of these Confederate uh, figures. But this is my fear, and this is why I said, you gotta, we have to keep the fire burning. It is imperative that we keep the fire burning. And what do I mean by keeping the fire burning? These protests, and this is just my observation, so far I've only been to one. I went to the 5,000 man march, which was this past Saturday. So that was the, the only march protest uh, sort of thing that I've, I've gone to thus far. But my fear is what happens every single time one of these events happen where a black person is overtly murdered and law enforcement for whatever for whatever reason they either get off or they get like a slap on the wrist we begin to let things fizzle out we begin to not care we begin to think hey that happened let's move on also, we have, and when I say we to the to the to all of the listeners that's listening to this, I don't know if you know this or not, but I happen to be uh, black African American, and so in this particular time, I try to make my podcast accessible to a lot of different types of people. But if you're listening 
I want you to listen to me, and not just me, but many other people out here that are talking about this specific issue, and be empathetic, and don't try to make your voice the loudest voice in the room. Listen to what black people actually have to say and what we feel about what's going on and not just what's going on now but what we've con- what we've been going through really for the past 400 years I always argue that racism has no scientific basis to stand on and it doesn't and actually if you really study history and if you go back far enough in your past you can actually begin to see when the certain variables arose to create the paradigm of racism that we currently live under. Because it's been around for so long, we kind of think that this way of thinking is innately tied with uh, how the world has always operated, but they can't be farther from the truth. Further from the truth, excuse me. But... To the point, pardon me as I digressed uh, just now, but to the point, we have to galvanize some sort of political action from all of the protests, from all of the marches, from all of the toppling of these various Confederate statues, from the renaming of streets. That is all fine and good. And I and, and I take pride in the symbolism of all of that see I think what happens a lot to the African American portion of the American family and I say that because a lot of people say you know black people we cannot consider ourselves Americans but I disagree this country would not be where it's at without black people when you look at the invaluable amount of labor that was provided by African Americans in this country under the turpitude of slavery you have to acknowledge that the United States would not have became the economic powerhouse that it eventually became without that without slavery there is no real functioning form of capitalism like we have now under which some economists once again I'm not an economist I can only regurgitate what I've heard or have you know read from certain economists in my uh very very novice journey with uh economics but apparently under capitalism the world has never seen more wealth uh now is that a good or a bad thing? I really don't want to cover that on this podcast because that's not what this is about, but that's what I've been told or I've come in contact with that particular information. But when you look at the form and the quality of life that we have, it would not have happened without the transatlantic slave trade. And more specifically after 1807, the domestic slave trade which really kicked off here in Virginia. Uh, Virginia had a surplus of enslaved Africans. Um, So much so, there was a time where they were thinking about shipping black people out of here and either down south or to places like Haiti. And Abraham Lincoln wanted to actually do the same thing as well after the Civil War, like Haiti 
And I think another place were possible spots that they were looking at to send black folks in this country. But as black folks, as African-Americans, we cannot afford, and and all of the people that want to work with African-Americans, I'll say collectively, we cannot afford to not use these movements to hold politicians accountable, to hold law enforcement accountable, and not just hold people accountable, but now could possibly be a great time to reform a lot of the things in this system. Like, for example, so there's a big movement right now where people are saying defund the police. Now, let me say this. When I first heard defund the police, I did have some trepidations about accepting that as a viable option in reforming things. But when I but when I begin to research it more and learn more about exactly what defund the police means, I'm definitely behind it because let me say this before I kind of delve into that a little bit deeper. When you look at the actions of police officers and not only just the actions of the police officers, you look at the actions of the police department, the law enforcement in whatever city uh, these particular officers may be in, whether it's Minneapolis, whether it's uh, Florida, whether it's New York, whether it's Los Angeles. Police departments really and truly, they really do nothing to uh, impede upon the nefarious behavior of police officers. A police officer can do things like assault uh, uh, people in custody, beat people to death in custody, um, whatever they, 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 they feel like they can do. Uh... And there's really no repercussions. They're not, there, there, there aren't any huge consequences for police officers by the police department. Some, in many cases, they get off if it goes to trial. So if we're looking at it from that perspective, okay, so there are police officers that, and uh, if you get a chance, I can't remember the name, but... There was actually a Baltimore police officer that went on the Joe Rogan experience, which is my favorite podcast. Uh, But there was a a Baltimore police officer that went on the Joe Rogan experience. And he talked about the vast amount of corruption, but the corruption just isn't relegated to Baltimore. It's every major city and medium-sized city across this country. Police officers planting drugs on people in custody, fabricating reports, trumped up charges. Here's another factor here. We have to de-incentivize mass incarceration. The problem here is when you begin to have money and profit tie its way into our legal system. That's when you start to get into trouble because the reality is this, is that prisons, prisons should be for people truly, almost curse, but truly deranged people, people that truly are a danger to society. People should not be going to 
to to jail or prison over parking parking tickets, child support, marijuana charges, drug charges, anything like that. Because when you get into those particular issues, then you're talking about a lack of equality and a lack of equity when you compare African-Americans to other groups in this country. So if you're arresting people on drug charges, you're, you're not attacking the problem. The problem is, why is it do you have poverty concentrated in this area? And we're not really trying to solve the problem. To incarcerate people at outrageous amounts is not the answer. Also, please correct me, but I believe the, the, the brilliant, brilliant woman who wrote the new Jim Crow, Michelle Alexander, I believe it's from her book. I could be, I could very well be wrong. If I'm wrong, you know, shoot me a comment, DM me, text me, say, hey, Hoy, that's not correct. But I believe that she said that uh, right now there are more black men uh, or black people rather incarcerated than there were slaves, I guess, on the eve of the Civil War. And it's no secret the United States has the largest prison system on earth. It's a huge industry. I want you to do this. After you get done listening to this particular episode, I want you to go on Google. What I want you to do, I want you to look up every single uh, look up every single corporation that profits from prison labor. And you're going to see names up there that you didn't expect. I'll say this. I had a professor. I went to VCU for my undergraduate degree. I had one professor. I'm not going to mention this professor's name because I know this this particular professor, a very extremely brilliant professor, and I think he's had his his, uh, own... uh, beefs and, 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 and confrontations, if you will, on that particular campus. But one of the things that, you know, he mentioned was that a lot of the desks and the office furniture at VCU comes from prison labor. Look at army and military uniforms. Guess where it comes from? So then you have to begin to say, And maybe this is more so a rhetorical question than a legitimate question, but I'm going to put it out there. Are we truly trying to solve crime? Are we truly trying to make our society the most safe it can be? Or is it the fact that you have uh, corporations, institutions of higher learning, Um, military and a myriad of other things that profit off of the human labor that are in these institutions, these correct correctional facilities. And that's what it's about. It's just about the profit. So we have one of the things we have to do is we have to take this protest. We have to take this movement And we have to, in addition to saying, hey, defund the police, which I agree with, because they never get any real consequences for their their actions, for the fact that they murder and accost and harass people. And that's not to say that's all police. 
there are a lot of good police, but the problem is the good police are not coming out to speak against the bad police. So then if you're not going to speak out, if you're, if you're quote unquote good police and you're not going to speak out against the bad police, then we have to lump you all together because by silence, you are complicit. You consent to their behavior. So then we have to say, hey, you know, fuck it. Defund the police. But in addition to saying defund the police, the other thing that we have to begin to do is we have to remove the profit for incarcerating people. That has to be attacked. We have to be uh, vigilant in going after that. Because I feel like it, it works um, it works uh, congruently with defunding the police. I think they're both necessary. Just my opinion, I truly believe that they're both are necessary. That's one of the things that should be an objective of all of these protests and all of these marches. And my issue is that when you look at a lot of these protests and you look at a lot of these marches, there's no, there are no objectives. There's nothing that they are aiming. They're saying justice for George Floyd. I'm down. Yes. Kuwaku is, is with it. Justice for George Floyd. But what can we do now to try as best as possible to make sure there's not another George Floyd, that there's not another Breonna Taylor, that there's not another Ahmaud Arbery. And then there uh, actually, um, just recently, there was another murder in a Wendy's parking lot in Atlanta by police officers. And this, here's, the, here's the crazy, the crazy thing with these cops. If you notice, when the police come, they tend not to defuse, but rather escalate the situation. They don't really say, hey, we're going to try our best to defuse the situation. Like, for example, the gentleman in, uh, in Atlanta, and I cannot remember his name, I apologize, but the way it started was that he was in his car sleep. I believe in a Wendy's parking lot. I'm not sure if he was in the drive-thru or not. He may have been, but I know he was asleep. And according to this, this gentleman, he was, you know, drunk. He was trying to sleep it off or what have you. Um, when the police approached, the way they questioned him, they were, they were kind of, they were accosting him to do the breathalyzer. And then next, after they were trying to do the breathalyzer, they wanted to lock this guy up. Meanwhile, the guy pointed out that his sister lived nearby. He had family. Why not do this? Instead of trying to arrest somebody, this man did not have to die. I don't care if he grabbed the taser. He did. There was nothing, no reason why that man had to die. You could have called him an Uber. You could have told him, listen. We're not going to take you in. Just lock your car up and call a family member. We'll wait here in the parking lot with you until they get here and they're able to drive you uh, somewhere else or what have you. There were just a lot of different things that could have been done. But I point that out because whenever you see these different videos with police, they never tend to de-escalate the situation. They only escalate it. 
So if interactions with law enforcement can end up in a bullshit charge, can end up in potentially someone being murdered, then yeah, we need to defund you guys. And we need to stop these privately owned prisons. They have to become illegal. It should be illegal. But here's the problem. When you start getting into privately owned prisons, you get into the prison industrial complex. Then you get into the politicians that are in bed with these people. You get into the other corporations that are in bed with these people. So then it becomes a lot harder to stop because then you're going to be into, you're going to be intimately connected to so many other factions and parties that benefit and and gain profit off of this prison labor. These these are just some things that I feel should be addressed addressed and some objectives that we should have going forward in these protests. Another thing we have to look at as well is education. I feel that defunding the police, like uh, from what I've researched, is that a lot of those funds will be allocated to public schools. That is a great thing. Education is one of the most overlooked facets of our society. Teachers are often underpaid, overworked, underappreciated and we do not give teachers the respect that they deserve truly but we have money to militarize the police we have money to constantly build jails and new prisons and and what I'm saying is not nothing new people have made this point countless times in the past But we have to have the conversation about what's going to be next. What are the objectives we're going to have for these politicians, for these people that want our vote? One last thing I want to say, because I don't want to hold you guys too long tonight or whenever you listen to this particular episode. But if we're looking at objectives, We just saw this country, pardon me, we just saw this country provide a $1.2 trillion stimulus for the economy. This is something that we've all just seen, okay? I think the next conversation has to be reparations. We have to begin to seriously discuss, talk about, and look at reparations for the descendants of enslaved Africans on U.S. soil. Now, let me add another dynamic to that. I am pro-reparations, but I'm not necessarily pro-paychecks. I don't know if giving every black person I don't know, $200,000 is the answer. And the reason why I say it may not be the answer, I'm not saying that it's not, I'm saying it might not be the answer, is because so many of us are financially illiterate. 
We, we, because maybe of our circumstances or lack of exposure, we truly don't know how to properly handle money. And what my fear would be is that in a case like that, if everybody is, is, is getting these crazy fat checks, is that money going to actually go towards even, evening out the playing field? Or are we just going to spin it right back out and be right back in the same position? And that's that'll be one of my fears. Maybe it may not happen that way. Maybe I'm being overly, overly paranoid. What I suggest, and once again, what I'm about to suggest is uh, just something from various conversations I've had with people and extremely rudimentary. This is not something extremely intricate, but I think that reparations, one of the ways that they can be disseminated to African-Americans is in this particular form. Let's say you have a $100,000 stipend, right? And you don't have to pay it back. But you can either purchase a home, purchase land, or if you have a business, if you have a business idea, you say, hey, look, listen, I want to start this business. This is my idea. This is what I want to do. This stipend will cover the first $100,000 of your startup costs, or it may not even be it may not even be $100,000. Maybe, you know, you only have uh, $50,000 that you need for your business and you might want to cash out the rest. It's just, like I said, rudimentary stuff, but I think the way reparations should be provided or disseminated, it should be done in ways that are going to empower. So through education, learning trades, entrepreneurship, land ownership, now, granted, people are like, well, we could just do that on our own with our money. Very true. I, I got it. Um, but I just want us to be empowered as a collective. I don't want to see us just get countless amounts of money and it flies right back out of the community. And then we turn around in two years and we're back in the same spot. So I think I might do an episode on reparations about maybe some plausible ways that we can go about doing that. Um because it's a conversation we have to have as a society. But listen, uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this episode of No Truths Barred. This has been episode 36. And listen, before I close out, uh, I want to say this. Keep the fire going or keep the fire burning. I just got a quick message. I'm sorry, folks. But... I say keep the fire burning. We have to continue to protest. We have to continue to march. We have to continue to vote the right people in. I'm begging you, if you have an election coming up in your local municipality, make sure you're voting in people that care about your issues. Make sure, because the change is not going to come from the top. It's going to come from us electing progressive people as our councilmen, our aldermen, our mayors, our senators, um, our delegates, our governors, and it goes up to president. Keep it going. Talk about this every day. We have to talk about this injustice in depth. We have to talk about it astutely. We have to talk about it and be informed about the statistics, about the history. We have to talk about this frequently. 
If we really want to see the change, we have to keep the fire burning. Listen, I love all of the young people. I mean, I am part of the young people, kind of, that are out here marching and 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 getting people, get, getting people's attention, getting society's attention, getting the government's attention, getting Jeff Bezos' attention. We have to continue to push forward. We have to continue to push forward for change. We have to be active, not just on the protesting front, but in that voting booth as well. We have to go out here and vote and vote in people that are going to be good for us, that hear our voice, and that understand that we are perennial victims of systemic racism, of wealth inequality, and police brutality. Listen, this has been my time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. This is this is your man, Hoikuhaku Timmons, and I thank you for listening to episode 36 of No Truths Barred. And once again, if you're not following me, make sure you follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Hoy, H-O-Y-T underscore Kuwaku, K-W-A-K-U underscore Timmons. That's T-I-M-M-O-N-S. Take care and peace.